Welcome back to the Balance Bully Podcast for ambitious women in business and a few brave men. I'm your host, Nikita Rinsigpen. As always, I am thrilled to be in the building with you today. Buckle up because we are about to go forward with a little reflection. You'll understand that in a moment. Our guest today has been leading the fast growing manufacturing and technology company Stone Age as CEO and board of director for well over a decade. Although you would never be able to tell this by her skin, I'm just saying, but she really has been around for a minute. As an advisor, author, speaker, and multi-stream podcast host, Carrie Siggins is on a mission to create winning cultures through her sought-after expertise in executive presence and business model transformations. Carrie, welcome to the BBP. How are you today? I am doing wonderful. I'm so excited to be here with you. (laughs) You know, I'm excited to have you. So for the listeners who are brand new to you here, you have one of multiple podcasts, but the one that I'm most intimately familiar with and very biased about is called Reflect Forward, which was like my tongue in cheek on your introduction. My first question for you is what made you or what inspired you, should I say, to not just continue to be the advisor that you already were in the current business that you run and double-digit growth and all the amazingness that you're doing there, but to branch out and start sharing your gift through podcasting. So I started a podcast uh, called Industrial Theory First. I still run it, as you said, a a multi, um, I do many, many podcasts, uh, (laughs) way too many probably. Um, But I wanted to create an opportunity for our customers to tell their stories. I make products that serve the industrial cleaning industry, which is a very dirty, non-glamorous industry, but an incredibly important one. We keep the world running because we, uh, our products are used in refineries and chemical plants. Everything that we use every day has to come from a facility that has to be cleaned. And I'm so passionate about what we do and believe that we're such an important part of the world. Uh, but that, that I wanted everybody to be able to have a story, an opportunity to share a story. So I created industrial theory and it took off. And then I started getting people coming to me saying, I'd really love to be part of your podcast. Would you interview me? But it wasn't in alignment in the very specific niche that industrial theory uh, focuses on. So my marketing team said, well, why don't we create a leadership podcast? Uh, This is your passion. It's what you love to to talk about and and you're so good at interviewing and and pulling stories out of people. Why don't we create a, a leadership one? And so I said, okay, that's what we're going to do. And I was actually driving. I live in Southwest Colorado, and I was driving over like these crazy mountain passes to this little town called Uray to go swimming in the hot springs. And I was talking to a girlfriend of mine about what I wanted to name my podcast, and I was like, I want it to be about you know this whole idea of you know, your your past is really important because it it gets you to where you are today, but it doesn't have to define your future. And I also don't know what the word on play, the word play is there. And she's like, oh, we'll reflect forward. <laughs> I was like, perfect. Yes, and so friend. that's how it came to be. That is how it came to be. <laughs> that That's the power of aligned minds. You're just having a casual yeah. conversation and you're like that one right there, honey. That's yeah. mine. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> no, I love it. And it all makes sense for all of your background and, and what you're doing. You're able to weave all the, the parts of you. 
together from the more specific industrial theory parts where you're getting into the tangible stories that are very relevant to specific customers, specific audiences, and then broaden it out a little bit still within a niche for those leaders. One of the things that struck me from uh, your one one sheet is you have kind of like a, a sub byline or statement that talks about being being worthy of being followed, you know, by being a leader that is worthy of being followed, basically. Would you expound on that a little bit? Absolutely. So there's so much play on servant leadership. And I think that's a really important um, aspect. But to me, the future is like enlightened leadership, right? Not just about how you inspire people to do their very best work at work, but how you inspire people to be their very best versions of themselves. How do they live their dreams through work? Um, Because let's face it, like we all work for a paycheck and so that we can go do the things that we want in life. And what if we created this company, this culture where you could do both, where you came to work inspired to work hard every day and create value and build relationships with your teammates and also live your life and have a company support that. And that's where the leader that's worth following came from is that to me, a leader, there's all kinds of great leaders out there and, and, and we all have our unique attributes that make us worth following. But to me, it's really about inspiring people to live their very best lives, not just to do their very best work. And so that's the kind of leader that I want to follow. It's, and that's the kind of leader that I want to be. And so that's where the, you know, be a leader worth following uh, came from. And it's much more encompassing than hitting goals and, and focusing on the numbers. It's really, to me, about helping people live their dreams. Yeah, I, I'm very much hearing that creating winning cultures in in how you're yeah. speaking. Like I can visually see why that's a huge part of your drive and your overall mission. One of the things that I know you speak about because I professionally stalked you, um, and I've been a guest on your show. So <laughs> one of the things that I know makes it hard for a lot of good leaders to be great leaders is many of them were projected into leadership roles from management. And management has its own leadership infusion in it, but it's different than the executive leader, right? Like when you're talking about the hierarchies hierarchies that you're so familiar with and that you've also created in, in your business and with others. But many times, as you know, there's a huge transition to go from that manager position, let's just call it middle management, even though we know it can go across tiers, through this kind of executive leadership role, especially when you've worked with people for a really long time and now they become the people that report to you. So there's all kinds of boundary challenges. There's imposter syndrome, right? Like there's all those layers. And I know a huge part of what you're helping them do is to have these strategically infused reflections from the work that they did in management be able to help them be a better leader. Was that something that you personally experienced or was it just that's what you were seeing as a CEO and a leader for so many years and board member and the many hats you wear? Uh, I think it, it's from both experience and from, you know, what I've witnessed. I believe in, in 
in recruiting from it within, from yeah. building within. And so you have to be able to help people make that transition. But I had to make that transition too. I was hired to run this company when I was 28 years old. Mm-hmm. And I had never, the, the founders took a huge risk on me. It's a, another podcast and a lot longer than, than 25 <laughs> minutes. Uh, but they took this big risk and hired me uh, to take over their company. And I had no idea what I was doing. And so I had to lead, but I had to, I also had to learn and I had to figure out how to influence people when everybody who I worked with had more experience than me. And so, um, I learned how to develop those relationships and how to be able to, um, inspire people, motivate people through influence rather than through bossing, through managing. And, and then I took that into how I help other leaders, um, other managers make that transition into leadership um, and or or taking individual contributors, making that leap into management. But how do you do it through influence? And to me, it's all about how you make people feel. Mm-hmm. And and I tell, tell everybody that like the most important thing is how do people experience you? You will gain respect as going from a peer to a leader, to a manager, if you care about how you make people feel, how you help them solve problems, it doesn't have to be a boss. I'm now your boss. Come in here and and do what I say. That never works, especially as you make that transition. It would not have worked for me if I would have done that coming in at 28 years old and trying to boss people who had been at the company for 25 years. So I think influence is a, a really important aspect of um, of making that transition. And, and that's what I did when I was learning how to, to, to grow into a general manager, into a CEO. And it's how I help my team make that transition. No, it makes a lot of sense. And as you broke down your kind of frame or definition of influence as the way you make people feel so they can mm-hmm. experience not only you as a, a leader, but you as a human, <laughs> which I always talk about the potent human, like you don't need to give people a lot of you, but the dose that they receive should be impactful. It should be memorable. And you can impact people on the negative side or the positive side. And I hear you saying to really get them to buy in to your style so we could, they could increase their productivity and do all the things you couldn't lean you swing your pendulum to the negative. No um, I was trying to think of the character from that movie with something with shoes and, and I can't, I'm blanking on it, but <laughs> the devil wears Prada, I think. Yeah, um, yes, and yes. if you're familiar with the movie, she was definitely influencing and making the assistant feel horrible, but she basically prepared her to leave and be better for someone else instead of being able to give her best under her tutelage because of the way she was so heavy handed. So I I really do appreciate it. And it makes me wonder if this is coming from an internal place for you, for your core of basically treating people the way you would have want to be treated yourself. That was like the, the light switch that the light bulb that went on to me was that not, I'm not everybody's cup of tea and I might influence somebody in a really positive way with my style and other people might not like it, right? It might be like you've said, like maybe a little bit too much for somebody. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so what I learned over the years is how to adjust my style to meet people where they are at. Mm -hmm. And that's where real influence comes in. You know, some people don't want to listen to me sell them on an idea, even though I'm really excited about it. So (laughs) how do I not do that? How do I just, you know, validate their feelings or their concerns and walk away not 
defending my position or influencing them to, to buy into it. And that's where I think that the, the big transformation happened in my leadership. When I realized that not everybody wants to be treated the same way I want to be treated, people want to be treated how they want to be treated. And so I've spent a lot of time making sure I understand now the people I work closest with so that I can modify myself, my style to be able to give them what they need so that they feel heard and, and, and seen, um, as their own unique person, rather than me just being that salesperson that wants to go sell them on every idea that I have. Yeah. Cause selling is serving. So of course you're excited about what you know can Mm -hmm. help to transform, to improve, to, amplify someone's business or, or home based on whatever product you're selling and you're excited about at the time. But it, it does, it could potentially, I'm reframing my, my words on purpose, turn into something where someone feels pushed into something versus feeling connected to it in an internal pool. If the style of the sales human (laughs) male or female isn't in connection with what they're experiencing in real time. So that makes a lot of sense. On every yeah, level. And, and when people are under stress, they modify their style. So just a perfect example. Um, I was recently hiring a VP of HR and one of my key employees um, had some concerns mm-hmm. and she expressed them and she was under stress. And when she's under stress, she slows down and gets more analytical. Mm-hmm. And when I'm under stress, I go into sales mode. Mm-hmm. And so she was explaining to me her concerns and I was saying, yes, and I understand that. And then here's how we're going to address it. And this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, I just kept selling, selling, selling. And she just kept digging in more and more and more with this analytical resistance. Mm-hmm. And we were both under stress and we were both modifying our, our style, like amplifying, I should say, our styles um, as we were having that conversation. And as I stepped back and reflected upon, it, I was like, oh, like she doesn't want to be sold, but she wants it on why this person is a great candidate. She just wants me to say, I hear, I hear you, you know, mm-hmm. what, and what are your ideas on addressing some of this? What would you like to do? Mm-hmm. And so that is a great example of where, you know, my style, even though I care and, um, and I'm hearing, you know, under stress, we both were, we were both modifying in a way that clashed with each other. Mm-hmm. And we both had to like step back and say, okay, what do we each need that each need here in this moment? And so that's, that's the power of understanding people's styles and how they respond when under stress. And if you can tap into that, boy, it's magical what can happen because somebody really does feel seen and heard. So I went to her and I apologized. I said, I am so sorry. I was selling you on, you know, why I thought this, this candidate was a a great fit. And, um, I know that that's not what you needed. I know you just needed me to listen and to validate. And, and we wound up having a great conversation and it's all good now, but, you know, it takes a lot of self-awareness and a lot of time, but that's how you develop great leadership. So that's how you become a leader worth following is doing that kind of work. It's also how you become a really good spouse. I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. everything totally. that you just mentioned totally. is absolutely connected to being a good forever lover, right? To see, to hear, to appreciate, to validate, to edify and when appropriate, not necessarily in the work context that I'm about to say it, but to desire. And all of that is absolutely important for 
being an intimate leader where you can hear people be below whatever they're saying in the moment, but really hear the root. Like you said, she was saying a lot of analytical things, but I could hear it under the root of which she was trying to push. I just couldn't catch it in the moment, but you were able to reflect forward in quotes (laughs) and go back and be the not just a bigger person, but to be a more evolved version of yourself and say, hey, I caught something after the fact and I apologize because you could have just had a private lesson and mm-hmm. never taken it back mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of close that loop. That in and of itself, I think, is a higher level skill that a lot of people don't know how to do personally or professionally. Yeah. And I don't want to make it seem like it's easy. Mm-hmm. This it, 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 it takes work. Yeah. It really does take work to it, to, to learn this about yourself and to learn it about other people. And, uh, and so it, I always, I'm afraid of when I tell these stories that it's like, Oh, like it's unachievable. Like I just am not like that. Uh, be, or that it's something that's super easy to do because it's not right. Right. It, it, it like you talk a lot about intimacy, mm-hmm. right? It takes knowing yourself intimately being able to look at yourself, um, and develop those tools mm-hmm. and, and work with people who can help you learn more about yourself and then to be able to have the vulnerability to learn more about other people and to own it when, you know, when, when styles potentially clash or, or are in conflict. Um, so that self-work is so important. I mean, if there's just anything that I can leave any listener with, which if they're listening to you, they're probably doing the work, um, (laughs) is do the work. Like it's hard. Um, but Oh boy, it, it just is enriching. Like you're, when you understand yourself and you understand people, like the fabric of your life is just so much more enriching and more woven together. And I mean, we're missing connection so much in society today. And as part of the mental health issues that we're seeing, but you know, you can't connect if you aren't willing to, to go deep with yourself and then be able to, you know, share with others and help others and learn about others. Oh my goodness. Talk about mic drop moment. Like for real, I'm about to throw my bunny shoe. This is the fifth time in six years that I've wanted to do that. So (laughs) my bunny slipper is about to come through the screen because yes, yes. And yes, Carrie, like you hit all the nails right on the head. The work is important. We say cheek kind of cheekily is not a real tagline, but we say from the bedroom to the boardroom because it all adds up and it helps you dominate on both sides in the, the most beautiful way possible, but you do have to be willing to be a little messy, which means looking at your stuff and not thinking that you are perfect Patty or Paul when you come to it, but being really open to the possibility that you have some room to grow, which is really important. Yeah, I agree. And that whole, you know, coming with perfection, you know, it's just all that is, is a, is armor, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I think we're afraid to look within. We're afraid that we might see things that we don't like about ourselves. Uh, and then certainly the vulnerability of sharing those things that we don't like about ourselves. Right. Um, that is so scary for people, but here's what I've learned. Um, I had a serious addiction issue in my twenties. Uh, in fact, I overdosed on Labor Day of 2006, which is what got me to where I am today. So I'm very, very grateful for it. And I had so much shame around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only the shame that I felt of how I got, myself in that position, but how could I lead a company and have been a high functioning addict? And so I kept it secret. 
Mm-hmm. And finally, I had to share it with my team. We were doing a team building session and we were sharing personal stories. I was trying to create this moment, these, this, these moments of vulnerability so that we could connect deeper. And I finally just said, I'm going to be brave and I'm going to, I'm going to share it. I'm just going to tell people, I'm just going to tell them. And what it did was it opened up this whole new level of connection and vulnerability where people then felt safer telling a little bit more of a a dark story or sharing a flaw that they thought they had. And what I realized is that we connect through our flaws and not everybody, you know, I mean, I know there's people who judge me because of, of my addiction issues, but that is few and far between the lives that I have impacted, the relationships I have built, the stories that people have shared that have come out of sharing my flaws with people. And, you know, it just took that one moment of being brave to, to share that story with my team. And, uh, and it's so impactful when you're willing to share your flaws with people, none of us are perfect. And we all build up this armor, um, especially leaders. Like we have to be perfect, right? We can't let anybody see that we have a chink in our armor Mm -hmm. and it's just not reality. People actually want to connect with real people, not this fake version of ourselves. And so I've learned that there's so much power in vulnerability and being open with yourself and others about your flaws. Like I couldn't agree more. There's so much power in what you just said overall. First of all, thank you for being open, honest, and vulnerable right here on the Balanced Bully Podcast, because I am positive in my spirit, which is extremely strong, that you just released multiple people out of the thousands of people that listen to the show every single week. I know that you just created a ripple just by sharing that um, and and help them see like, no, you may not necessarily want to show it share it at work if you don't feel safe enough, but that's an eye-opening moment for why isn't your culture at work safe enough, winning enough, open enough to receive something that could also create another ripple inside that boardroom, if you will. Um, But then also to your point of not being so concerned with the reality, because it is real, that you will find someone that judges you for the shade of blonde your hair is, right? So you will definitely find someone that wants to point out a a problem with the fact that you dare share something so personal instead of looking at all the people that just got healed from it, including themselves, if they would just get out of the way of that moment. Because although not everyone necessarily has a chemical addiction issue, not too many people walking this earth is not addicted to something. Minds with stress, hands down, un- like co- completely quantifiable. I was going to say unquantifiable, but no, I could quantify it with all the hours, all the tears, right? Like all the burnout, like I could totally quantify it inside and outside my bones. And then there's food, there's shopping, there's hiding, there's promiscuous sex, there's relationships, refusing to connect to people and having that rolling addiction of just wanting more and more, but not actually going deeper. There's so many different versions of addiction that are keeping people from achieving that next level of themselves. It's not even about the next level position or or whatever, but just to your point, do the self-work and be able to weave in the transformation that no one else can give you but you. There are guides, mentors, advisors, coaches, therapists, all of it that exist. I'm one of them, but I do not claim to be the creator of the person in front of me. I can only co-create with you and help you, but you ultimately are responsible for your transformation. And what you did for yourself in that moment is you said, okay, I could totally hide in this moment because I am a leader and people are going to judge and I could 
be behind all of the what ifs, but it's so much more important in this particular hour of my life to release me first so I can help other people. For that, I am standing in ovation with you right now, Carrie, like legit standing in ovation. Thank you. Well, it's not easy. I remember um, I told my story to uh, like this big group of startup companies. They brought me in uh, to talk about like, how do you build culture? And I shared my story and a person, they put it on the video on YouTube and a person said, why would they ever have her come and speak? All she, she's a high functioning dumpster fire. And, um, you know, and I like stings when you are willing to put your story out there. And of course, you know, I had hundreds of other people come up and they tell me their stories, right? I was dealing with this addiction or my parents mm-hmm. dealt with addiction and this is how it impacted me. But that one thing so stung. Yes. And here's what I've learned about, about it um, through this process of sharing my story and not being everybody's cup of tea and having negative things. People tell me negative things and not connect with it is that it just doesn't matter, right? If you impact one person with your story, then that's what matters. Mm-hmm. And you have to live your life for you. The reason that I had addiction issues is that one of the reasons, um, and it was a big one, is that I was trying to live my life for somebody else. I never thought I was good enough. I never thought I was worthy enough. Uh, And so I always was trying to pretend to be somebody I wasn't. And with my personality style, it led to a really dark place. And now what I've realized is that even though those comments still sting, right, I still want people to like me, to love me. Uh, When they don't, it's okay. Okay. It's okay. I'm living my life. I am trying to make the impact that I want to make on this planet. I'm doing things that fulfill me, that serve others, that are creating, you know, true meaning and purpose and impact in the world. And, uh, and I'm not going to be diminished by people who might not understand my story, who might be dealing with their own stuff that then gets projected onto me. And so I've had to learn how to like build up that thick skin to Mm -hmm. say, I'm living my life because I know I'm on the right track. I know that what I am creating comes from a place of pure intentions of helping make the world a better place, helping inspire people to live their very best lives. And that's what matters. So for those of you who are scared to go for it, you know, to make a life change, to tell your story, to, to put it out there, to, you know, to to just go for it, go for it. Like this is your one life and there's always going to be people who judge you. Why would you not live your life in fear of that person when you can make a bigger impact on so many more people? Mm. I receive, I receive. Cause what I heard you say with, with all the layers and shades that you shaped it was the negativity doesn't matter nearly as much as the influence that you can create through your impact and ultimately the imprint that will go for generations to come. You being released, release multiple people in that room whose children, siblings, neighbors, dogs, and frogs were also released because of that. And it will go on and continue. And it didn't stop with you, but you could have stopped that moment by hiding it and keeping it in. That The negativity bias is real. It's a whole psychological principle behind it that we can hear a thousand compliments and one negative, and we will totally zone in on the negative um, because that's, you know, it is our nature to not want to be rejected, (laughs) right? Like ultimately- But the fact that you're willing to say, I acknowledge the negativity. I see what I felt from it, the sting, as you called it. So I'm not pretending that it didn't hurt or that I wasn't affected at all by it. 
but I'm not going to let it dominate where I take my next step or how I go and grow to truly live my life fully. And yeah. I dare say boldly. Heck yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what? Like it's like, on, like even out of the negative comments, like there's, there's something that's good that can be taken out mm-hmm. of all of it. Right. It's like, okay. Like I understand why somebody might think that and how would I frame my story differently so that a person who's really, you know, who is, that it might land with them. And so I don't just like, you know, like, yes, you, you, you can't take it in and, and, mm-hmm. and have it negatively impact you. But I look at it as how can I get a gift out of it? Yes. It's stung. If it stings, is there some truth to it? If it stings, you know, what work do I need to do? How can I find the gift to move forward and be stronger, to be better, to refine my message, like whatever it is. So man, that's a really powerful mindset shift mm-hmm. that, that you are in control of, right? Like I love what you were talking about the whole, you're responsible for you because you are responsible for your inner world. If you are expecting somebody external to change your inner world, or if you let somebody external change your inner world, then you're giving up your power to be able to create the life that you want. Um, But there's always a gift to be found, even in the hard stuff. And so that's how I choose to look at it is that great, that that stung, why did it sting? What, What can I learn from this? And that's powering, that is empowering right there. On every level, that is where we absolutely align. For me, the feedback is always a gift. I just have to be brave enough to be open and receive it. And yeah. and sometimes I think that's the work, right? Like, am I brave enough to really take this and dissect it with some actual reflection that will propel me forward? You see, I keep playing over that, it. don't you, Carrie? I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll share. I'll share. And I know you want to maybe talk a little bit about relationships. I'll share one thing my husband said to me one time. So I got some really tough feedback. It was actually the biggest gift that I've ever been given by anybody. And it was also the hardest thing I've ever heard. So I'm a very transformative leader. Like mm-hmm. I love changing things. I love transforming industries, disruption. And I had a former executive executive told me, you think you're disruptive, but really you're just erratic. And man, I went home and I cried and I was like, I'm not cut out for this. I'm not a good CEO. And my husband, you know, told me, he was like, let me just tell you this. Um, first of all, that guy's an asshole. And I don't know why you care about what he thinks. Come on, husband. (laughs) I know. Second of all, um, you know, you do love new ideas and you are pushing people forward all the time and you are inspiring, but not everybody wants to be pushed like you're pushing. So take the good with the feedback, take the good from the feedback and then let the rest go. And man, that comment has stuck with me for, for years since, since I got this feedback and it has absolutely shaped my leadership style going forward. I always want to be a cool, calm and collected leader. I never want to be called erratic again. There was absolute truth to the comment. Um, But I love what my husband said is take the good from the feedback and let the rest go. So I let the, the, you know, the, the truth behind the, the chasing ideas all the time resonate with me. Mm -hmm. And I let the meanness, I let the, the purposely trying to hurt me go. And I have a great relationship with the person who said this to me. I thank him all the time. We're great friends. We talk once a month, even though he no longer works for me anymore. Mm -hmm. And so like that, that's a really good way to look at it. Like take the good from the feedback and then let the rest go. Like I'm going to let it propel me forward, but all the rest of the stingy stuff, like I'm not going to carry that baggage with me. I love that for so many reasons. Your story was such a gift to receive for yourself, but also your husband got to shine in that moment because you were listening, right? You could have been so inundated 
with the anxiety that was created from that, that you couldn't hear him either, which would be a whole other relationship podcast episode, right? Yes. Of not yes. being able to hear it. Cause I know sometimes we don't always listen to them in, in those moments. Um, no. But also you also share like the underlayer of you're still in connection with this person. So you've either done one of two things you've received that this person is an asshole and that is who I'm connected to, or this person was an asshole who needed some space to grow and you were able to allow them to grow lateral to you Yeah, in that yep, process. Absolutely. Well, and my husband was protecting me, right? I yeah. mean, like, that's what he says, like, don't, you know, and of course that there's so much more that goes to the story, of course, with it, of but, um, but you know, like he was like standing up for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it was, it was, there was so much that was worth saving in that relationship, even though it came to this really, you know, pointed, angry conversation. I wasn't going to give up a decade long relationship with a hurtful comment that there was truth to. Yeah. And, and so it was valuable to me to, to, to continue that relationship. Um, and you know, with some more boundaries, there needed to be some boundaries there. Uh, but yeah, I'm like really proud of both of us for being able to like work through that really tough time that we had, uh, and still be able to have a relationship, even though we don't work together anymore. And I am incredibly grateful for that gift because yeah. it absolutely made me analyze my leadership style and what I saw was passion. Um, someone saw as, you know, being amped up what I saw as, you know, ideation, somebody saw as we're changing again. Right. And so that's, again, how can I modify myself to be that leader worth following by taking this gift that was given to me and doing something transformative with it? Look at the, and this might even end up being something in the title. Like I'm hearing the gift of conflict. And and using that conflict, not only for those crucial conversations, but for those crucial changes that we need to make for ourselves to be more effective and impactful leaders or influential leaders. Absolutely. And, you know, it's not just the conflict that you have with another person. It's the conflict that you have inside. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it, you know, I do way more battle with myself than anybody on the planet. Right. Right. <laughs> and so we're constantly managing conflict, whether we know it or not. You know, we, we tend to think of conflict as being an external, uh, only an external thing, but it's not. It's so internal and, and how we are perceiving ourselves and perceiving others and taking things personally or not taking things personally. And so conflict Conflict management um, internally and externally, and learning how to do that well with yourself and with others, man, it can be such a game changer in how you build relationships because, you know, the stories we tell ourselves, man, they're powerful and they're usually negative. Right. That part, that part right there. They usually mm-hmm. are the, the cr- criticism that isn't always constructive, but there may right. be a through line of constructiveness if we can back up enough from it yeah. to see it. But sometimes we're just... Some things you shouldn't be intimate with <laughs> and, then, yeah, totally. and negativity totally. is one of them. You have to be really mindful of what you're mm-hmm. inundating yourself with because you start yeah. to be a reflection of that versus the person that you're truly trying to become, which can be that influential leader that can listen to feedback, some good, some not some good, some pats on the back and be able to pull a lesson from all of it yep. and not just what yep. feels great or the worst in that moment. That's a very... Yep. 
balanced style for you, Carrie. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I try. It hasn't always been that way, but it's, it's the value of doing the work. It's the growth. So before I let you go, because there's so many things, oh my goodness, that we could talk about from the conflict with being an overachiever and all the juiciness there to how this looks at home for you and your relationship with your man to all of it. But the biggest question that comes to mind right now is with all the hats that you're wearing with the multi-stream podcast, CEO, board member, advisor, author, I know I'm missing something in one of those hats and titles. Mom, mom. <laughs> right, mom, uh, travel buddy to Bali, like, right, uh-huh. like to all of it. How are you giving yourself permission to pause? So I've done a lot of thinking about this because I get asked this question all the time. Um, and I never had a good answer for, uh, for how do I do so much? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a couple of things. One, I'm passionate about what I do. I love making an impact. I love telling stories. I love sharing stories and getting people to tell stories. And so when you love what you do, you find energy to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. But the underlying thing about me and that I've learned, especially through studying addiction um, and why I, um, I I succumbed to substance abuse issues is that I have a really high base, le- le- base level of dopamine, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the, which is the desire um, mm-hmm. uh, hormone um, and which is uh, where we find a lot of motivation. Yes. And so I'm blessed with having high levels of dopamine. I work on increasing my baseline level of dopamine and by doing it naturally, not through, you know, using alcohol or substances to mm-hmm. get that dopamine hit that we all like. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I've learned a lot about that and, and how do I use dopamine to my advantage? how you have to increase your dopamine is you have to rest. Mm-hmm. And, and I have found that meditating and I have found that massage, right. Having another human touching me and helping me relax increases that dopamine. Yes. Um, I find reading helps me increase that dopamine. And so I make sure that I build a lot of self-care in because I know that I can, increase that baseline of dopamine, which helps me actually achieve more. And I think so many people, especially women think I don't have time. If I take that time, I'm not going to get all these things done. Well, I have learned that by taking the time to take care of myself, to get that weekly massage, to make sure that I meditate for at least 10 minutes a day, to make sure that I exercise every single day helps me actually achieve far more than what I would if I didn't take the time to do it and feel better while I do it. So, um, that's what I've learned about self-care. And so I could not do all the things that I do if I didn't work out, if I didn't get a massage and if I didn't meditate. And those are my three main, um, modes of self-care. Yeah. I love that. That's another alignment point for us. All that you said, I bucketed under a little cheeky term of lazy. Cause I call myself the lazy overachiever, which is a conundrum in and of itself, but it's because I honor my need for rest. And that is a tonic for me. It is not negotiable. It is understood that for Nikita to be as dope as she is and as brilliant as she is in an unbound way, I got to have a power nap. I got to yeah. meditate. I got to have an orgasm. Like these are like non-negotiable yeah, totally. things. Absolutely. And knowing that about yourself, what did they say? Know thyself first. 
It's incredibly important, but it also can help you continue to be the change maker that's creating these ripples instead of just talking about the ripples or encouraging other people to do it. You're like, hey, reflection over here, I'm about to go to yeah. Bali next week over there, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I yeah. love this so much that you're doing this. How can people connect with you and learn more about your shows, your books, all of the things, all the carry things? Yes. So my website, carriesiggins.com has everything on it. Um, my book will be out. I don't have a date yet, uh, cause it's at the pub or at the printer. So I'm guessing in a couple of weeks I'll have it. Uh, but it'll all be on my website, but you can find everything there. Um, I am an avid LinkedIn poster. I love, um, helping inspiring leaders want to, uh, do better to, to be a leader worth following. So LinkedIn's probably the best place to follow me from a social media perspective, but all of that's on my website at carriesiggins.com, all my, my podcasts and, and speaking and everything that I do. Oh, I love it. And you kept it simple. You allow people to come to one hotspot to get yeah. all of the layers of you. <laughs> everything, you everything you need is on carriesiggins.com. <laughs> Maybe right. probably more than what you want, but that's where you can go find it. <laughs> Carrie, thank you so much for carving out this time in the middle of a very full and productive schedule. You know, I dare not say busy, but by being all the ways that you are open to helping and serving and impacting as you influence the leaders that are connected to you. I appreciate you carving out this time away from that to pour into our listeners. Thank you. Well, are you kidding? I get to spend a half an hour with you. Like who wouldn't (laughs) want to do that? You are amazing. You're one of my favorite guests I've had on my podcast. We just, you know, we're we're just like, we're kindred souls. We are. Thank you. I appreciate that. I receive and reciprocate. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Me too. Ditto. I always tell my son, ditto. (laughs) Balance Bowly listeners, thank you again for tuning in and listening to the end. You know, I have two favors to ask. The first is to think about one person in your ecosystem that could benefit from hearing Carrie's story. All the layers of it, any of the layers that resonated with you, I am positive that it will resonate with someone in your ecosystem. So the requirement for the favor is for you to share without explanation. The only context you can give is heard this amazing interview or some version of that thought of you and share it. Don't put any projected context on it because then you start to judge and shape the other person's prioritizing of the episode. So just heard something dope, listen to it, tune in and let it go. The second thing I ask, as always, is enjoy the balance of your day, but remember, do it boldly.